proof, if that's not evidence that God is working signs and wonders on the earth, I don't know what is, right? The Seahawks in the playoffs, that just, that's a miracle, I think. I mean, man, that, that would be incredible. But listen, I'm excited uh, for this year. I'm also excited because being this is a new year, uh, we're launching a new series, and of course, it is called Something New. Somebody say something new. And I believe something new is more than just a catchy series title. I believe something new is really what God wants to do, that God wants to do something new in you, that God wants to do something new in this church, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready. Uh, to kind of echo what Pastor Bill said, uh, next weekend, we, we are shifting things. We're doing things a little bit different. Uh, instead of having church in the a.m., we're having church in the p.m. And as he mentioned, uh, every once in a while, a few times a year, we get bumped from the space Sunday morning. And not only is it part of our contract, but more importantly, Black Diamond Camps is amazing. And this gives us an awesome opportunity to partner with them and, and build a rapport and relationship with them. And so, so what we're going to do is we're going to do church in the p.m. next Sunday. 5 p.m., and we are going to have a worship night. And we're excited about kind of ushering in the new year with some worship. And then, as, as you heard, we're going to have a chili cook-off. Now, I had one of our staff members ask me if we should do the chili cook-off before or after our worship night. And I was like, you know, I think we should go with after. I said, I said, I actually think before that idea kind of stinks, okay, <laughs> pun intended, uh, because Chile has a reputation. So, so, so we are going to come together and worship from five to six, and then afterwards, we're going to have a chili cook-off. We're going to eat, have community, and hang out. You know, it's funny, sometimes people tell me, you guys sure eat a lot in church. You guys do a lot of eating. And I say it's true, but actually when you read the Bible, they did a lot of eating, Jesus, a lot of the, the most popular sayings of Jesus happened around a meal. And so, so maybe some great things will happen as we have a bowl of chili and we talk and community will happen, connection will happen. And then most importantly, the following day, Monday, January 16th, we are beginning 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, and I cannot wait. I really am excited because I believe as we seek God, as we pray, as we fast, God is getting ready to do something new. I believe that. God wants to do something new. God wants to do something new in your heart. God wants to do something new in your home. God wants to do something new in your faith. God wants to do something new in your family. God wants to do something new in your finances. God wants to do something new in your dream. God wants to do something new when you study the Bible. God wants to do something new in your purpose. Come on. God wants to do something new in your dream. God has something new in store for you. And I believe as we pray, as we fast, and as we seek God, he is going to share with us something new. He is going to do something new. Do you believe that? And so if you're not already signed up for our 21 days of prayer and fasting, sign up. Uh, I believe this is going to be a great time for you as an individual. This is going to be an incredible time for us as a church. Get ready. All right? Get ready. Well, to launch this new series, I want to share, uh, share with you the text that kind of this, this series is founded on. Uh, share with you a couple verses that this series rests on. And that's uh, in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 19. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. And maybe you know these verses. They're pretty familiar. But this is God speaking. And God here says, but forget all that. 
You know, I kind of hear it in my best soprano mobster's voice, you know, but forget about it, you know. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I am about to do what? Something new. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Verse 19 again. For I am about to do something new. If you would stand up with me, uh, we'll pray. And as we launch this series, Something New, I want to share with you a message I think is important And the message is called, Shift Happens. Shift Happens. Now, I know maybe we're having a little play on words here, but I actually believe this is true. If we're going to experience something new, we're going to have to shift some things in our life. If you're going to experience something new, if I'm going to experience something new, we're going to have to make some shifts happen in our life. Make some shift happen happen in our lives, okay? Let's pray and I'll preach. Jesus, we just thank you for our time together and we pray in these moments you would move in this place. God, we pray today that you would start something new in our church, something new in our hearts, something new in our homes. God, we just pray that we would make the appropriate shifts to make the thing happen that you wanna make happen in us. Lord, that we would change some things, that we would shift some things. Lord, we just pray for something new, something new in family, something new in faith, something new in our finances, that you would start something new. We love you so much, and we pray you'd move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you can go ahead and have a seat. Tell somebody, tell them the Seahawks got it today. Well, years ago, uh, I learned how to drive a stick shift. How many of you know how to drive a stick shift? We are a dying breed, okay? I want you to know, with electric cars, with autopilot cars, it seems less and less people know how to drive a stick shift. But that's neither here nor there. I learned how to drive a stick shift, and my teacher, my trainer, was no other than my then-girlfriend, my now-wife, Kim. Kim taught me how to drive a stick shift. And listen, I'm not a relationship guru. I'm not, you know, a relationship expert, but I can give you this relationship advice. Never have your girlfriend or boyfriend, for that matter, uh, teach you how to drive a stick shift. It's going to cause problems, okay? It's going to lead to an argument. And this whole experience caused tension, not because Kim was a bad teacher. She was a really good teacher. It caused tension because I was a really bad student, okay? I would not listen. And I, at the time, I was probably 19, probably 20 years old, and I was probably a bit prideful, you know, maybe. I I, I probably was a bit humiliated that my girlfriend (laughs) knew how to drive a stick shift, and I did not. And, and so I wouldn't listen. And so I can remember being in a vacant parking lot uh, trying to learn to drive a stick shift, and I was not getting it. Okay, I was a mess. And Kim, of course, she's real sweet. If you know Kim, she's always sweet. She's always nice. And so she's like, don't worry, you'll get it. 
<laughs> but, but I wasn't getting it, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't coming together. And, and every time I would try and shift, I would, I think it's called like pop the clutch and the car would die. And this, this was happening over and over again. And I found myself getting frustrated. And so finally I said, Kim, I know what the problem is. Uh, I'm not a good practice player, but I'm a gamer. I said, I'm good come game time. So I think what I need to do is just go out onto the street and just go for it. (laughs) And Kim, of course, she's really nice. She's like, you know, I don't think that's a real good idea. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. I trust me. This is a really good idea. This is, this is going to work. And so I pulled out onto 132nd in Kent, true story. And, and I just figured it's going to work because I'm a gamer. And so it didn't work. <laughs> and, and the same thing happened. Every time I would try and shift, I would pop the clutch. The car would die. Well, this happened probably three times. And before long, there is a line of cars behind me. There is a parade of cars, a parade nobody wants to be a part of, Okay. And people are honking, people are yelling, uh, people are telling me I'm number one with a particular hand gesture. <laughs> and, and it's not working. True story. So I get, <laughs> I get to the intersection of 240th and 132nd. I try and shift. I pop the clutch again. The car dies in the middle of the intersection. <laughs> so now I'm blocking four lanes of traffic. And of course, Kim is like, don't worry, Matt, you'll get it. (laughs) And and I'm not getting it. And so I try to turn the car on again. I try and shift. I pop the clutch. It dies again. And so I said, Kim, you're going to have to drive this car. (laughs) And this is all true. I get out of the car in the middle of the intersection. And I walk around to the front. I go to the passenger side. I open the door. And I said, Kim, you have to drive. And Kim says, no. We, we're, like, we're like early on in our relationship. This is like our first real good argument. You know what I mean? And we are in the middle of an intersection. And she says, no. She says, you're going to get this. You're going to drive this stick shift. And I'm like, Kim, do you hear those people honking? One of those people is going to hurt me if, if you don't drive this car. And I said, have you heard of road rage? You know, this, this, someone's going to hurt me. And, and so finally she agrees. She, she walks around the Toyota Corolla, gets into the driver's side, starts the car, and seamlessly shifts the car into gear. You know, it was almost so effortlessly, it's almost like she was bragging about how good she could shift and how much I could not shift. But But I learned a valuable lesson that day, and that is sometimes a shift happens, okay? Sometimes shift happens, and and, and I want to say this today because I think sometimes, listen, this is not just a catchy title, this is true, that in order to move forward, a car has to move forward. You have to shift. And I think sometimes we wonder why we're not moving ahead, why we're not accelerating, why we're not moving forward, but we haven't upshifted. We haven't made the appropriate shifts. And in order to experience something new, we have to make some shifts in our life, don't we? We have to make some changes. We have to make some shifts. 
And I believe this is such an important message, especially launching a new series called Something New. Because again, if we're going to experience something new, we cannot do the same old things. If you are going to experience something new in God, you will not experience something new doing the same old things over and over again. Come on, you'll never experience something new with the same old habits. We will never experience something new with the same old routine. We will never experience something new with the same old way of thinking and the same old mentality. Something has to shift. Something has to change, right? I was talking to a a young man this week, and he came up to me, and he was all excited. And he said, Pastor Matt, I'm pumped. He said, this year, I'm going to read through the entire Bible in a year. And I got excited with him. I said, that's incredible. I said, I've actually done that. And you will never read the Bible the, the same way again. I said, that's remarkable. But then I looked at him. I said, but what are you going to shift? What are you going to change in order to do that? And he kind of looked at me funny. And I said, well, trust me, that's a lot of Bible reading. That's a lot of Bible study. I said, you might have to go to bed earlier and wake up at an even earlier hour in order to study the Bible. And he's like, huh? (laughs) You know? I said, you might have to give up an evening a week. You might have to give up some weekends in order to do that. What are you going to shift in order to experience that something new? You know, maybe it's in your finances. Maybe this year you say, this is a year I'm going to get my finances in order. That's awesome. Maybe you say, this is a year God is leading me to get my finances in order so I can be a blessing and, and so, so, so that I can do all the things that I just feel God putting on my heart to do. And that's incredible. Well, what are you going to do to make that shift happen? Well, I'm going to make more money. Well, that's a start. But can I tell you, oftentimes financial freedom has less to do with how much you make and more to do with how much you keep. More to do with what you do with what you have. What are you going to shift? What are you going to change in order to make that happen? Where are all my single people? Where are the young people at? Single young people? Come on, all the single ladies, all the single. Single people, maybe you say, this is the year I'm going to pursue a relationship. This is a year I'm going to put myself out there. And I commend your courage. But listen, my question for you is, what are you going to shift to make that happen? Can I be real? Because I find a lot of single people are making a list of everything they want in a spouse someday, but very few are making a list of everything they want to become for a spouse someday. And sometimes what we have to do is make some changes. We have to shift some things in order to experience something new. And listen, it could be anything. It can be you want a better marriage. It could be you want a better relationship with your kids. It could be you want a promotion. You want something new on the job. That's incredible. But what are we going to shift? What are we going to change in order for that something new to come to pass. Are you hearing me? How many have heard this definition before? I'm sure you've heard it. It's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, The definition of insanity. You've heard of this before? The definition of insanity is doing the same things over 
and over and expecting a different result. Think about that for a moment. The, if you, it drives us crazy. If we, want, <laughs> if we want to drive ourselves crazy, do the same things over and over again and expect to get a different result. We have to make shifts. We have to make changes. And this is the reason I love starting out the year with a fast, starting out the year praying, because I do believe as we fast and as we pray, God will speak to us something new. I have faith to believe that. I believe that as we fast, as we pray, as we seek God, he will reveal to us something new. That's his part. But then our part is making the shifts. Our part is making the appropriate changes in order for that something new to come to pass. Are you hearing me? I want to share with you today for the next 10, 12 minutes, I want to share with you three things all of us need to upshift in 2023. Three things that every single one of us must upshift this year. And this goes for all of us, okay? This is for the youngest person. This is for the oldest seasoned adult. <laughs> this is for uh, every single one of us. Uh, whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or following Jesus for five decades. I want to share with you three things all of us must upshift. Now, if you've ever studied like how to study your Bible or you've taken classes, you may have heard these two terms. There's two types of revelation. There's what we call special revelation and there's what we call general revelation. This is just a quick note on theology. Special revelation refers to something that God speaks to you specifically. Special revelation refers to something that God tells you as you pray, as you seek him. This is some of the reason why we do a prayer, a fast for 21 days, because I believe as we do that, God speaks to us. As we pray, as we fast, as we speak, as we seek God, he shares with us things, whether through experiences or through people or uh, by his word, he speaks to us things. But then there's another kind of revelation, and it's called general revelation. And general revelation is what God speaks to all of us through his word. And so I want to use some general revelation here, and I want to share with you three things we all have to upshift in 2023. Using Matthew chapter 22 as our backdrop, I want to share with you three things we all have to upshift. Now, this particular text is a text known as the greatest commandment. Have you heard of that? The greatest commandment. But out of it, I want to share with you three things that Jesus says in here that every single one of us needs to upshift this year. Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he, he being Jesus, I'm going to say Jesus, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. I like this. One of them, an expert, <laughs> an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. I love experts. Come on, experts built the Titanic, amateurs built the ark. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> love experts. So this person is an expert in the law. And this is what's so funny about this. This expert in the law tries to question Jesus about the word. And what's interesting is it's, you should probably never try and trick an author about his own book. And so he tries to question Jesus with the law, but Jesus is the living word, right? 
And so this is what he asked Jesus. He says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And he says this to try and trick Jesus. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets, ultimately Jesus is saying all of life hang on these two commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Three things we all need to upshift in 2023, our love for God, our love for people, and watch this, our love for ourselves. I'll get into that in a moment because we often miss that in this text, but it's subtly there. Love for God, love for people, and love for ourselves. The first thing we need to upshift in 2023 is our love for God. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, as you study this out, ultimately what Jesus is saying is he's saying, love God with all that you are. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying is love God with all of your being. And in 2023, let's make it our aim to love God with all that we are. Come on. Let's make it our declaration. Let's make it our goal to try and love Jesus with all of our being. Now, how do we upshift our love for God? I believe it starts with spending more time with Jesus, right? It starts with spending more time with Jesus. Now, hear me. We don't spend time with Jesus to try and earn his love. He already loves us. That's important to know. We don't spend time with Jesus to try and earn his love. He already loves you with a perfect love. His love for you is already unconditional. We spend time with Jesus to learn more about Jesus because the more we learn about Jesus, the more we fall in love with Jesus. Amen? I have been married now for 23 years. Wow, that wasn't good, especially publicly. <laughs> 23 years, yes, 23 years. I've been dating Kim for 25 years, and I'm 44 years old. So that means not only am I getting older, <laughs> it also means that I have spent more of my life with Kim than I have without Kim. And, and that, that, that was a switch for us a few years ago. But I have, in the 25 years Kim and I have dated, I've spent a lot of time with Kim. And for 25 years, we've almost made it a religious habit that weekly we go out on a date night. We have tried to do this almost religiously. We don't hit every week, but we try. And in that time, I have learned a lot about Kim. I have learned, for instance, that sometimes my wife will say something and some, sometimes she means what she's saying, but other times she doesn't mean what she's saying. And it's up for me to know when she's saying something, if she means what she's saying or she doesn't mean what she's saying. And young people, that is called marriage. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned this about Kim. I've learned that sometimes Kim will say nothing. <laughs> and sometimes nothing 
is saying something. Yet sometimes nothing is saying nothing. And it's up to me to figure out if this nothing means something or this something means nothing. And sometimes I get confused. You can pray for me. But I have spent a lot of time with Kim. And in that time, I've learned a lot about her. And as I learn more about Kim, the more I love Kim. Now, I believe the same is true with Jesus. Listen, church, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we learn about Jesus. And the more we learn about Jesus, the more we fall in love with Jesus. Listen, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you learn about his grace. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you learn about his mercy. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you learn about his care and his compassion. And the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you learn about Jesus. And the more you learn about Jesus, the more you fall in love with Jesus. You know what I love? I love that there's never too much of Jesus we can learn. I love that there's not this giant checkbox of Jesus that we like check it and say, I'm good, right? There's always more of Jesus we can know. There's an infinite amount. There's always more of his love, his grace, his word, his truth. There's always more of Jesus that we can know. And this year, let's make it our aim. Let's aim to upshift our love with Jesus. Let's try to spend a little more time with him, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we learn about Jesus, and the more we learn about Jesus, the more we love Jesus. Come on, amen? You can clap to that. That's good. Spend a little more time in worship with him. Spend a little more time in prayer. I say prayer when you're driving, worship when you're at home, because it's not good to drive like this. But I just think spending a little more time with Jesus is important, because the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we learn about him and his attributes and his person begin to come out in our lives. The second thing we need to upshift is our love for people. Our love for people. Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said a second but equally important is love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. Someone say love people. Jesus said love your neighbor as yourself. So this begs the question, who's our neighbor? Right? Love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Well, if you study this, how it ultimately neighbor here represents everyone and anyone. Neighbor here represents all. I looked at the word all in the dictionary, and it means all. All. That's why we are a church for all. That's why Jesus died for all. He rose for all. Salvation is for all. So why would we be a church for some? That's why our aim is to be a church for all. Because our neighbor is everyone and anyone. It represents all. All, all. Your neighbor here is everyone and anyone. This means your neighbor here are the people you like and your neighbor here is the people you don't like, right? This means your neighbor here are the people you agree with and your neighbor also represents the people you disagree with. Your neighbor here represents people that are easy to love and your neighbor represents people I call EGRs, extra grace required. Okay, they, they just require a little bit more grace to love. Any of you know somebody like that? If you don't, you might be that person, okay? 
Your, your neighbor is a Republican. Your neighbor is a Democrat. Your neighbor are the people who have your values. Your neighbor are the people who don't have your same values. Your neighbor are Seahawks fans and your neighbors are 49er fans. <laughs> your neighbor is everyone and anyone. It represents all. Imagine, imagine if you were to come up to me and you'd be like, you know, Matt, we just want to tell you, we love you. I'd be like, wow, that's super nice. I love you too. Be like, no, 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 we, we love you and we love Kim, but we can't stand your kids. (laughs) Right? We don't like them. We, we love you. We can't stand your kids. Well, Well, don't be surprised if that immediately causes a riff in my relationship with you, right? Don't don't be surprised if immediately that creates a tension between us because I love my kids, right? Because my kids are my family. My kids are a part of me. But watch this. That's the word picture of what happens when we say, God, I love you, but I don't love your people. God, I love you, but I don't love the people you created. God, I love you, but I don't love the people that are created in your image. I love you, but I don't love the people you love. Listen, don't be surprised if that creates a riff and a tension in your relationship with Jesus because God loves all people. And you might not agree with all people, that's okay. But we have to love all people because God loves people. And if we want right relationship here, we need right relationship here. Are you hearing me? Now, are people easy to love? No. Have you ever met people? People are difficult to love. Have you ever driven in traffic on 405? (laughs) Then you've met people, okay? People are not easy to love, but we love them anyways. Look at this quote by Mother Teresa, one of my favorite quotes. She said, people are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. I found this quote, I don't know who it's by, but it's good. If you are not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, then I am concerned for yours. Woo! Love people anyways. And let's be a person. Let's be a church. Let's be the type of person that loves people. That when people walk in the doors, they're immersed with the love of God. That they're immersed with the love of people. That people know that they're loved by God by the way you love them. Because you might be the only Jesus somebody sees. Our upshift, our love for people. And the last one, the last one is this. And Pastor Stu, you can come up here in a moment is upshift our love for ourselves. Upshift our love for ourselves. Now, this could be misconstrued, so I want to make sure to hit this right. But oftentimes we miss this in the text subtly. Jesus said, love your neighbor as what? Yourself. So evidently there's a prerequisite here that in order to love our neighbor, we have to also love ourselves. 
You all right? <laughs> Thought maybe we lost you there for a minute. <laughs> we have to, first of all, love ourselves. And now listen, listen, don't, don't get this twisted. Don't get this all, all weird. Jesus is not saying be a narcissist. No. Jesus is not saying be self-centered. No, that, that's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying love yourself because God loves you. Love yourself for who you are because of whose you are. Come on, love you because God loves you. Love yourself because you're a son. You're a daughter of the living God. Love yourself because you are a child of the king, because you're a child of God. And God loves you, and you need to love you too. In order to love your neighbor, you have to start by loving yourself. Jesus said that. Have you ever heard this quote? The quote goes like this. It goes, hurt people hurt people. You ever hear that? And kind of the big idea of this quote is that when we're hurting naturally we lash out and hurt others. And I think there's some truth to it. But I think it's also true with love that when we don't love ourselves, it's very difficult for us to love other people. But loved people love people. And when we have a revelation that God loves us, it gives us permission to love us. And when we love us, it then gives us permission to love other people. And I just sense in my heart, just some of you, the first step to loving yourself, I just sense is you have to forgive yourself. Before you can love you, you have to forgive you. Sometimes we're our own worst critic, aren't we? Sometimes we extend grace to people that we don't even extend to ourselves. And sometimes the first step to loving yourself is forgiving yourself. Come on, this is just on my heart. You might have made a mess, but you are not a mess. You might have made a mistake, but you are not a mistake. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. You are a child of God. You are a son, a daughter of the living King. Come on, God loves you, and it's time that you love you too. God forgives you, you need to forgive you. God loves you, you need to love you. Check out this quote. I found this out. I'll, I'll close with this. At least this is my first of six closings. <laughs> but it says this. It says, everybody needs you, but you also need you. Don't help everyone else and neglect yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, not instead of yourself. Help people, love people, care for people. That's our mission. But also don't forget about you. Love your neighbor as yourself. I believe part of loving ourselves is taking care of ourselves. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Paul says, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of you. Rest. It's important. Take a Sabbath. Oh, I can work seven days a week. God says you can't. Take a Sabbath. Rest. We all need that. 3 John 1, 2, John says this. He says, I pray that you're, you, you prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. What does that mean? That means that your soul prospering sets into motion all the other prosperity in your life. That if you want to prosper out here, you have to first of all prosper in here. 
that your soul has to prosper. That's why we try to create an environment for ourselves of peace, create an environment of joy, create an environment of love, create an environment of rest, create an environment of life, because as your soul prospers, every other part of you prospers. And we need to upshift our love for ourselves so we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Three things we need to upshift. Our love for God, our love for people, and even our love for ourselves. I want to do this. Usually in a moment like this, I'd have you stand and pray, but I just felt led today to just do things differently. And when you walked in, there was a pen and a note card. And I just want to take like a few minutes. I just asked Pastor Stu to lead us in whatever he feels led. But I just want us to take a few moments and just seek God. Just do something new. And you can stay in your seat. You can come up here and pray. You can stand. You can do whatever you want. But maybe God will speak to you something. Maybe there's just a couple things you want to write down that God's putting on your heart for 2023. Let's not let this year get too far away from us before we take some time and say, God, what do you want this year to look like? I find in life it's so easy to get caught in the race, it's so easily got caught in the rat race and, and what's next and, and going after this and, and getting caught in, in, in just life that we forget to take time and say, God, what do you want? What do you want this year to look like? What do you want to do in me? And so maybe God will give you something to write down. Maybe he's just gonna etch something on your heart. That's fine too. But let's write down some things. Maybe God's gonna show you ways you can upshift your love for him a place maybe you need to go to and and pray and seek him. Maybe God's gonna show you ways to upshift your love for people. He might show you a picture of a person that you need to pray for. He might show you a group of people that you need to lift up. He might show you somebody in your neighborhood who's lonely, who needs you to reach out to them. I believe God does that. And then he might show you ways to upshift your love for you. Care for yourself. Make sure you're taking care of yourself so you can love your neighbor as yourself. And so I just want to take a few moments and we can just have the lights come down a little bit because I just want us to pray and seek God. Like I said, you can come up here, you can stand, you can stay where you're at, but let's just allow the Holy Spirit to speak. I want to pray for us. Jesus, I pray that you would speak in these few short moments. Let us quiet the busyness and chaos in our minds long enough that we can hear the still small voice of the Spirit. Let us stop the craziness and the busyness of moving and producing and getting results that we stop hearing the still small voice of God that speaks to us things that could alter our year, alter our families, change our marriage, change our relationships. God, we submit to you. We pray you do something new in us, in our hearts, in our soul, in our minds, in our church. Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's take a few moments and let's just see.